0: Hey. Welcome. Hello everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of DevOps Squared. Um, so, so this episode I've been looking forward to for a couple of weeks now. So we're, we're going to be talking about the DevOps Institute and uh, we're very lucky to have a couple of esteemed guests representing the, the DevOps Institute today. So I'm really glad. Uh, to be joined by Jane Groll who's the CEO uh, and also Helen Beale who is the Chief Ambassador and we're going to be talking uh, hopefully about a number of different uh, topics to do with what the organisation does and um, you know how how DevOps is affecting people's day-to-day lives when it comes to work and a little bit about the organisation and uh, whatever else comes up uh, along the way so um First of all, ladies, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, join me for this week's episode and I guess to get started, uh, Jane, if you wouldn't mind just give in as a quick introduction about yourself and, and your career today.
1: Sure. Thank you. And so excited to be here and I'm really looking forward to today's uh, conversation. So hi, everyone. I'm Jane Grohl. I'm, I am currently CEO of the DevOps Institute. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about DevOps Institute uh, throughout today's podcast, but a little bit about myself. Uh, I've been in IT a fairly long time, so I've had an opportunity to see uh, the technology space, particularly from the enterprise perspective, grow uh, from you know the earlier days, not that early, but earlier days to, to now. I'm an old IT director, mostly from the operations side, uh, got involved in the IT service management community in its early days, uh, around 2004, uh, ran an ITIL training company. Uh, in 2012, uh, I'm one of the co-founders of the DevOps Institute. As we saw DevOps emerge, as uh, something that was going across the chasm from the startup community to the enterprise community. So it's really gratifying seeing DevOps become a worldwide phenomenon, not just because of DevOps, but because of the evolution and transformation
0: of enterprise IT. So thanks again for having me. Thanks again for... Um, agreeing to come on. So, um, Helen, what what about yourself? Quick introduction about yourself.
2: Thanks, Martin. And I'll reiterate Jane's point that it's lovely to be here. So thank you for the invite. Lovely to be here with my friend and colleague, Jane. As you said, I am Jane's Chief Ambassador at DevOps Institute. I've been working in uh, IT for about 25 years. Uh, I started off at IBM after I graduated with an English literature and language degree, oddly. Um, And I've done all sorts of roles from sales to consulting. Um, I first came across DevOps around 10 years ago as it was emerging as I was working for a deployment automation organization. And then I spent several years uh, consulting and training around DevOps, which is how I first met DevOps Institute as a trainer of their courses for uh, many different types of organizations across uh, Europe and the Middle East. And now I am here. Okay,
0: great. Well, um, uh, you know, again, thank, thank you both for taking the time to uh, come on uh, and discuss all things DevOps with us. So, the first question is is one that I ask everyone that that comes on the show, really, and it, it's it's actually a bit of a two part question. Uh, and what I'm trying to get across, really, is there's a lot of people, and I, and I know this will um, resonate with you guys, is that when you talk about DevOps, there are so many different ways of doing DevOps. There are so many different ways of understanding DevOps, and that depends on your organization, and you know, people, skills within your company, all, all, all kinds of different data points. And what I really want to try and get across is that even when experts talk about um, uh, DevOps, there are many, many different things that it means to them from their experience and, and such like so. Um, I, I guess for, for, for both of you to um, um, kind of clip in with, but uh, I guess for Helen first of all, what, what does DevOps mean to you is the, is the first part of this and the second part is if I'd have asked you the same question two or three years ago, would your answer have been different?
2: Yeah. So have we got two days? Because that's about how long it normally <laughs> takes me to, to take a class through what DevOps is. But um In a very small nutshell, small as I can make it, I always talk about the history of DevOps and where it came from, and it really started about a conversation about software developers taking on agile capabilities and agile ways of working and the IT operations teams not knowing what was going on and not really being invited to the party. And there was a lot of conflict, and there still is a lot of conflict in a lot of organizations between those two groups, and it causes or manifests itself in lots of different ways, like... Developers asking for production access, sorry, admin access to production systems, developers complaining that uh, IT operations take too long to provision environments. There's all sorts of different um, pain that is felt. But as I've observed it over the last sort of decade that it's been around, I really feel that it's moved into a place where it's become much more about flow in a value stream. So it's become much more about value stream centric thinking. I think. For several years, I wrote my annual kind of crystal ball gazing blog in January in the new year and, and and talked about the involving the business more. And I think that's really come to fruition today. And I think that's the biggest change I've seen in the last three years is it's really seeped out of the technology teams. And we've really realized that an organization is made up of many parts and uh, we need to have conversations about how HR operate around the teams, how they're funded from the finance departments, how GRC and security and things like that get involved as well. So it's become a very, very big conversation.
0: Yeah, I, re- I really like what you um, said there about um, uh, business and, and, and value streams. I think resonates pretty much exactly with um, my thoughts on those subjects as well. I so I I was at Virgin Atlantic for a, a a little while, um, late 2019, early 2020, and um, what we were doing there was, so I I I I was working technically on on a lot of tooling, but I was also trying to um, get across the value of DevOps outside of technology teams. We, we'd already done a, a huge amount of work, really, te- technically within technical teams. And product teams and within technology um through the implementation of um safe and, and the value stream and, and, and increment planning that comes in with safe. Um, but I was actually starting to have conversations with groups outside of technology around you, you know te- technology element out of it. You know, for me, DevOps is ninety five percent about everything else, culture, people and and process and and working better together. To, to be faster and better at what you do and, and technology really goes into that to help automate some of those things and make them more predictable to speed you up once more and and you can still do some of that whether you're talking to finance whether you're talking to um, marketing whether you're talking to procurement any of those teams and there was a lot of things that were really starting to resonate with people within those teams because they weren't technologists at all they didn't understand what we did within technology at um, banking at all, but they did get um, the, the core learnings. I guess really that you go through on on, a, on an introductory course or session with attendees around, you know, really making sure that we are able to plan better when it comes to to scrum and, and those kind of ways of agile working, and 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 it was really starting to resonate with people. I, I agree. If you'd have had those conversations even three or four years ago, I think people would have turned around and looked at you a little bit crazy because they just thought it was to do with technology and speeding up software delivery. But, and I think that's been a big, um, change of point in the last few years. Um, uh, sorry. But- uh, no, so I was just going to say, I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts on that uh, uh, game, but, um, you know, same, same question to yourself as, as well, really. What that means to you?
1: So I'm going to, and I love uh, everything that, that you guys talked about because I think it it very much is about inclusiveness, but I'm going to take a little bit of a different spin. So I think for the last five years, uh, in particular, as DevOps has crossed over into the enterprise space, we've spent a lot of time trying to figure out what DevOps is. And and so I, I look at DevOps more as a recipe than a single thing. So we wouldn't spend five years thinking about, well, what is a pizza, right? What is a pizza? Is it thick crust? Is it thin crust? What really is a pizza? Instead, we would look at a recipe uh, that appeals to our appetite um, and in that recipe would be a lot of ingredients. And and so when I use the analogy of DevOps as a recipe, I think that for organizations, it is highly dependent on the quality of the ingredients. And the ingredients are, of course, uh, people ingredients, human ingredients, technology ingredients, process ingredients um, across the value stream. So I, I agree with Helen that you know, our focus has to be on the flow of the value stream. And so when we look at our recipe and what the outcome is going to be, it is, first of all, dependent on the quality of the ingredients and what we invest in those ingredients, right? You know, the pizza sauce, uh, the cheapest pizza sauce versus, you know, the most expensive piece, pizza sauce. But I also think that it is dependent on the proportion of the ingredients. And so again, if you think of a recipe as just A recipe on its own has no value. So DevOps on its own is a set of principles. It is a set of principles for increasing flow. It's a set of principles for optimizing automation. It's a set of principles for uh, the people process and automation piece of it. But at the end of the day, I think it's the ingredients and the proportion of those ingredients that's going to drive uh, the success of DevOps. So. I mean, just to kind of sum that up, I think we need to stop worrying about what DevOps is and start looking at our organizational recipes for increasing flow and what our desired outcome would be, right? Your pizza and my pizza might be very different. Uh, The ingredients you put on your pizza and my pizza may be really different, but at the end of the day, if it appeals and fulfills the outcome that we're looking for, in this case, increased flow, then I think we're, you know, we're doing the right thing. Uh, you know, you can't buy DevOps, right? So you can't buy it in a tool. You can't buy it in a process. Um, you, you can't, you know, there's just no way for, for an organization to kind of look for the, the easier path. Um, there is not a single solution, but there's not a single solution to a recipe either, right? I could buy the world's greatest cookbook, right? For hundreds of dollars, doesn't make me a chef. So I, I think we have to kind of look at it from a, a more a, a very realistic perspective: ingredients, proportion of ingredients, and then let me add the last one. It's the skill of the chef, right? If you can have all the great ingredients, you can have all the right proportion. If the chef doesn't know how to put it together, you, you don't really have a really good pizza. So sorry for the analogy, but I hope that resonates in terms of how we need to look at this.
0: I actually, I actually love that analogy. I've never heard it before until you just talked about it then. And I, you know, I guess using the same analogy, one of the things that I talk to clients about, not in the same way, but I I may well do now, to be honest. (laughs) Um, Using the same analogy, I think you you can also say that, you know, if you look at a a really basic um, cheese and tomato pizza, they all use the same fundamental ingredients, but back to your point, the, the person that cooks them, the, the the chef, makes the result at the end of the day, especially if you're using the same ingredients. And there's many different, and this is, I think, where DevOps has got to today. And, and I still don't know whether it's a good thing or a a, a bad thing, to be honest. I, I sometimes think I, I was having a, this is the afternoon it was, I was, I'm thinking about some blog posts to, to write and some, some company content and, you know, it kind of got to the point where I was thinking it is a few years ago. It was really simple. Um, you know, where the application of, of DevOps was. Yes, there were still many ingredients involved and many different people that could affect the outcome, be that successful or unsuccessful, but has, uh, you know i guess this is this is one for for both of you really is an extension to what we've just been talking about the the, the more we look at where devops can apply outside of software engineering especially be that of areas in technology or other areas in the business is is devops suffering a bit of an identity crisis from where it was a few years ago or is it just a natural evolution of, of what has become now people realize what it can do and what the benefits are
2: Personally, I don't think it's under any kind of identity crisis. I think what I've observed in my client engagements is that the entire globe is transferring its ways of working to a large batch traditional waterfall basis in a short amount of words to a place where we are trying to be more agile and incremental. And, you know, agile and DevOps obviously go hand in hand. And I'm sure, you know, Jane's very generous. She probably won't mind you stealing her pizza analogy. <laughs> I stole from her many years ago. She uses a phrase that DevOps is the harmonious polygamous marriage between agile, ITS, and lean, which I just love. Um, in fact, I've kind of taken that and expanded it into a super pattern and brought other things in it, like holacracy and learning organizations and safety culture and all sorts of other things. But... Um, The point I think I'm trying to make is that there are these new ways of working and they exist because we have the internet and we have to digitally transform and part of that is being in a technological revolution. So I'm sure you've come across Carlotta Perez's work that um, often is uh, cited at places like the DevOps Enterprise Summit with the IT Revolution team and Carlotta Perez says we're at this turning point in this technological revolution and a big part of that is about changing the ways that we work um, to optimise that flow that we were just talking about in the value stream. The the ultimate reason, the outcome that we want from optimising that flow in the value stream is for our our organisation to become high performing. So um, the natural consequence of giving our customers more value is that our customers will buy more things and will have more customers and our our purpose or our reason for being becomes uh, more profitable and we survive um, in a difficult and highly competitive and disruptive environment. I um, so kind of lost track of what I was saying there a little bit. I think the original question was, has DevOps, is DevOps having an identity crisis? I really don't feel it is. I think most people are accepting that it's becoming a really broad church and almost like um, another word for the new way of working. Um, that's certainly how I see it. Jane, I, I don't know if you agree with that. You've got a slightly different slant on it. What are your thoughts?
1: So I agree with, I agree with you with a little bit of a caveat. I think that in the early days, uh, there was a belief that continuous delivery and DevOps were synonymous. So in order to quote unquote get DevOps, um, it was the same as continuous delivery. And a lot of organizations, you know, and this is natural for us in IT, <coughs> excuse me, is we start with, with the tech, right? So. Uh, Everyone was like, hey, if I go get Jenkins or, you know, I go add these, you know, 50 different plugins or open source uh, applications, I've got DevOps. And what they found out was that's not true. And I think today, particularly, you know, facing this pandemic, which is you talk about new ways of working, uh, organizations had to shift very, very quickly um, and the delivery of value, even the definition of value became, you know, center stage. Um, in, in, in some ways, I, I think has opened up the realization that it isn't continuous delivery. Continuous delivery is a great ingredient. Uh, but it isn't, you know, you can't get DevOps purely by creating a CD pipeline. And, and so uh, uh, Helen, I agree with you. I don't think there's an identity crisis. I think, as I said before, we've spent a lot of time trying to figure out what it is. And now I think on kind of DevOps day two, we're looking at how do we do this? So, um, so hopefully the dialogue is moving towards, okay, we understand that DevOps is a new way of working. We understand that agility needs to go beyond software engineering. Uh, but how do we do that? And I think that's very healthy. And, and in some ways, as horrible as the pandemic has been, I think it has opened the dialogue for, okay, we don't know what the new normal looks like, but, but certainly we understand that there have to be new ways of working because in, in this situation, the old ways might have been more of a constraint than an enabler.
2: I love your point about continuous delivery. Mm talk about this so so much and i always draw people back to the original agile manifesto and the first of the 12 principles which is about continuous delivery and it's so contextually different i think from what we understand when we hear that phrase now as a result of devops and i nearly said thanks to devops but i'm not sure that i'm that grateful to devops because what devops has done is really kind of twist the phrase from the, the actual continuous delivery value to what you just described. So continuous delivery pipelines, effectively a DevOps tool chain. And that's one of the, the you know, Martin made, um, made a comment a minute ago about the good and the bad. And I try not set, not to kind of label things as good or bad because everything's so complex. You kind of have to see it through the context that it's in. But I do think it's a shame in some ways that continuous delivery has become so synonymous with automation. Um, where actually it's really about the principle of delivering value.
0: I, I can completely agree with a point you make about continuous, uh, delivery there. I, I've, I've been to a, a few organizations, well, well, spoke to, them, I guess, more, more recently rather than going to, um, with a pandemic, but where, where, where you, you talk to them about, um, where they are on, on their journey that is DevOps and, so many of them come back to you and say, well, we have this really good CD pipeline. And it's like, okay. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. you're done. Oh, okay. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's almost like it, it's, it, it is very much, and I, and I think some of this is due to the material that's out there being so heavily weighted to technology. Um, there is more and more content, you know, especially the, the things that the DevOps Institute put out and some of the things that the ambassadors are starting to put out now about the, the, the the more human people side of, of DevOps it's starting to balance the, um, that content out but I I think there's still a heavy focus on technical content so much so that a lot of people think that you put a couple of pipelines in you put a couple of tools in and all of a sudden you are you, you know doing DevOps to, to quote a horrible phrase
1: well and it's funny you say that Martin because Again, you know, from the tech space, we solve problems with tech, right? Mm-hmm. That's That's been our history. We're a fairly young industry, too. So, <clears throat> you know, like a teenager, if I buy a new phone or, you know, I, I do something technical because tech is easy and people are hard. And so it's, you know, we'll always take the path of what we think is the the least resistance. Interestingly enough, you know, Helen, I think you bring up a really good point about continuous delivery in that continuous delivery is about process. It's really not about automation. You replicate your continuous delivery process by optimizing automation. And, and so every year DevOps Institute does a, a global research project. We're about to launch the survey uh, again in a few weeks called the Upscaling Report, the Upskilling Enterprise DevOps Skills Survey. And, and this year in the 2020 version, what really came out that was kind of fascinating is last year automation, well, two years in a row, automation, human skills and process have come out almost statistically equal in terms of must have skills. But this year process edged out, meaning process took the first place in terms of essential skills, followed by human skills. We used to call them soft skills, soft skills are hard. Um, and then also followed by automation skills. So what came out of that, that survey from, you know, I think 1250 uh, people from around the world was you have to have a good process. And it doesn't mean it's ISIL process or it's SRE process or it's any one particular framework of process, right? It's just you have to have a good process. That'll get replicated by your automation and that will be conceived and executed by people. And, and, and so CD is not only about what a great pipeline you have. You don't get a gold star just because you put together a really good pipeline. But it is for us in IT how we solve problems, right? And also how we define process. Our definition of process may be, you know, type in this, you know, type in this command or, you know, click that button or do this. Because in our hearts, we we still believe that it's the technology that's going to run things, not the people or the process.
0: Yeah, I I completely, completely agree. And I remember reading the the report and. I'm trying to step back a little bit from the day-to-day stuff that you're doing and trying to think, you know, is, this, is does this resonate with what I'm seeing through for, for the work that, that I'm doing? And well, one of the things I always find interesting, I'm starting to think it's more and more that as, uh, so I, I used to have a role that was a, a global role for my organization across the US and um, Europe and one of the things I've always found with tech specifically um, is that certain countries are more advanced than others in terms of where they're thinking. Of, uh, uh you know, digressing a little bit. I sit in in the cloud space for for um, a lot of what I do, and um, technically, and now I'm specifically a to U.S. clients. I may definitely see that. Um, more clients that I dealt with in Europe are a lot more a lot more mature than the ones that I dealt with in North America. And um, for, for whatever reason, I think some of that's due to to size. A lot of the organisations in in North America are, are, are a lot lot bigger than in Europe. But I am starting to see the exact same thing come with. Um, I, I guess with priority when it comes to, to DevOps, it, it seems like there's a a year eighteen months or so of missing when you across the Atlantic in, in, in where people are compared to where some people are in Europe. And that's not a, a I want to we'll, we'll make sure that's not a, a blanket statement. There are obviously organisations that are way ahead of that depending on what they do. But, but generally speaking, it seems to be the, the trends that men are seeing on the, on the ground. So it would be interesting to see when the report comes out again this year, what, what has changed in the last year from the people that respond to you know, really see where their efforts have been because we should be able to get a good idea, I guess, from um, comparing the the data as to what people have been focusing on and what people are going to be focusing on and whether the pandemic, you know, I hate to bring it up, (laughs) Um, again, it's obviously not a nice thing that's going on um, for for a lot of people worldwide, but it is bound to uh, a lot of things, like like you said earlier on, Uh, and I think it's going to be interesting to see just how much more, Invested organisations are be coming in new ways of working to be able to address some of the challenges that they have today. Um, so I just want to move on uh, a little bit. So I, I guess, um, first of all, this one's really aimed at, uh, aimed at Jane, I guess. And what... What really gave you the inspiration for the DevOps Institute, and, and what is the core focus of, of the organization? Uh,
1: and thank you for the opportunity to talk about it because it is my passion project, right? So, I, you know, as Helen said, she became aware of DevOps about 10 years ago. For me, in 2012, I was invited to a very, very early DevOps days in California, and um, and, and, and it was a time when there was a lot of debate about whether what this thing DevOps was and would it, trans, you know, would it cross over to the enterprise and could it be applied to the enterprise. And at the time, at this DevOps stage, there was just this remarkable energy, just this crazy remarkable energy from about 300 people, by the way, of which five were women. So we, we still have a little problem there, but... Um, just really looking at different ways of working and, and talking about value and talking about flow and talking a lot about automation, but also talking a lot about uh, about culture. And then you know, came away from that with my business partner and said, you know, when something like this happens, and we had seen that in the ITIL space, when uh, a set of practices start to emerge, communities of practices uh, also emerge at the same time. And so, fast forward a few years uh, to 2015, as we saw DevOps really starting to take hold from an enterprise perspective, but also a lot of confusion. DevOps is different than um, other frameworks. Where you know, in, if you look at uh, say project management, or you look at Scrum, there are finite bodies of knowledge around it. And DevOps, as we've all agreed is is a pretty big recipe that has a lot of ingredients. So we launched DevOps Institute as an open member community. So we are um, a, a member-based community today uh, and and forever. There will always be a free basic membership to DevOps Institute, but we also saw that this was happening all around the world. So it wasn't a US specific uh, movement. It was something that was happening globally. So we launched DevOps Institute with the intent of being a curator. Uh, most think of us as a training company. We actually do absolutely no direct training. Uh, we accredit eight certifications around DevOps. We do the annual upskilling report. Martin, as you know, uh, the ambassador program under Helen's leadership has really given us industry expertise and in a community of very passionate people that really want to support Um, what's happening around the world. But our mission is to advance the human elements of DevOps because as we've all just said, there's a lot of focus on technology. There's a lot of focus on even process, but it is going to be human transformation that's going to drive success. And and humans need to connect with other humans. Uh, That's part of our membership mission. Uh, humans need knowledge. They need to grow their careers. That's why we have certifications. Uh, they need to be able to go to events. We do a monthly, uh, as you know, we do a monthly skill update conference that focuses on a single, single topic. But, but the goal in order to advance the human elements of DevOps is really about connection. Right. It's about connecting people in APAC with people in the U.S. and people in EMEA. And it's connecting people that speak the same language and it's connecting people with the same interests or the same goals. So um, so again, the motivation was to create a community of practice where we could equip the community with resources, but also enable the community to connect with each other been an exciting journey
0: really uh, an amazing exciting journey yeah i i i I would add to that as a um, ambassador in the u k as well i so for one reason or another um, recently i've not' I've not been involved in as as much as I would like to, but the things I have been involved in it, it you know just just when the ambassadors getting together it, you know it's a great group of people from so many different uh, backgrounds all over the world and you know for me that that's a great place to be able to just talk to like-minded people about what's happening if you've got any tips for this and anything like that and it, and it feels like a, a really safe place to be able to talk about many many different things and and, and you know we don't we don't just talk about DevOps as well as, as you know sometimes we talk about what's happening in each other's countries at the moment in time and you know, everyone's wishing everyone um, well through the pandemic and various things that are going on. And it, it, you know, I think for a lot of people, I, I I think I speak for a lot of the ambassadors when I say that I I, I feel like the, the the stuff that we do as ambassadors with, with the institute definitely feels like a, a second home in a in a lot of ways.
1: Oh, that's so gratifying to hear, and really, Helen has done an amazing job. Not only of of identifying ambassadors, uh, I think we're closing in on 160 ambassadors, but creating a community, and and now that community is going to start standing up local virtual chapters, so that uh, you know we have ambassadors from all around the world, and providing that kind of forum for uh, the ambassadors with each other, but also with local practitioners. To create that same kind of safe place to ask questions and to talk about uh, DevOps, but to not talk about DevOps, right? Half of, half of, uh, you know, being in this type of a, a chapter or, or ambassador relationship is building new friends, even though you're thousands of miles apart from each other. So it's one of the things I'm the most excited about in terms of how we serve the community. Helen, do you want to? Um, share a little bit about Ambassadors, because really you've done such an amazing job uh, growing that program. Oh, it's been such a pleasure
2: to do it. I can't tell you. It's it's so wonderful to be involved with such an amazing group of amazing people. And I think you've said a couple of the keywords already. I think the group of people are defined by their passion and it's the passion for DevOps as a topic and, and all its various lenses and also passion for sharing so passion for being part of the community and giving help and receiving help and the, uh, you know there's such a huge variation amongst the sort of about as you said nearly ambassadors that we have at the moment there's a huge variation in terms of current skills we've got people who have been experts in their fields for a really long time and people that are more just starting out but really really want to grow um, in this space we've got Um, a huge variety of different skills. We've got people like Martin, you know, very technical, very Microsoft deserve-focused. We've got, you know, people that are very much focused on the softer, which are hard skills, as you say, so the human skills. around leadership and resilience. So I'm thinking of Karen Ferris and Simone and people like that. And then you know, we've got lean experts, chaos engineering experts, DevSecOps experts. We've got all the whole you know DevSecOps Argentina guys on board. So it's just so wonderful to be involved with these people every day. Yeah. Um, broadly, there's, I guess, four kind of main categories of ambassador. There's the consultants, which are, could be individual consultants, up to small groups, up to the, the really big global players. Then we've got lots of representation, as you know, from many enterprises across the globe as well. Um, and then we have the vendors, of course, as well. So we've got a lot of the, the big DevOps toolchain vendors involved. And then the more recent category that is emerging that Jane and I are thinking and working on more at the moment is around the um, academia so we're getting more professors for example from universities globally so um one recently from um a new country for us as well which was venezuela uh, which was quite exciting so i don't know if you want to share anything jane about our thoughts of working more um with that level of higher adult education
1: absolutely and um and, and martin i hope this is okay but i think it's really important Um, You know, there's really a couple of reasons, and if you're listening and you do come from an academic environment and you want to become an ambassador, uh, we can help you do that. But, you know, A, we want to be able to uh, capture that safe zone for uh, folks that are working in academia and also give them access to the amazing ambassador community that we have so that they can share, they can ask questions, uh, and then they can build programs that will help their students uh, really succeed when they when they enter into the working world or re-enter. We know, you know, reskilling um, is going to be a big topic uh, for 2021 and beyond. Uh, so, you know, having that kind of access, but then also in return having access to what is happening at the university level. How do we contribute to? Undergraduate and graduate programs that are, uh, again, equipping a workforce that is going to need to get, um, get set up and get going very quickly, maybe more quickly than, than some of us when we graduated from university. So uh, I think focusing on a 360 degree view. And then more importantly, what I, I, I love about this program is that We're not just naming you as an ambassador, you know, for that brand recognition. The ambassador community is, are supporting each other, but now we're going to take it out to the, to the local communities. And so being able to have this amazing group of volunteers. Be, be excited about connecting with local practitioners, but about connecting and finding out about what's happening or sharing their knowledge or inviting other ambassadors to, uh, to speak to their communities really helps us extend our footprint. But, but I think more importantly, it really helps to serve the, what we call the humans of DevOps. So very, very excited about adding academia. Uh, particularly grateful for just the generosity and each ambassador contributes in their own way, but it's just so grateful for the generosity of, of those that have agreed to be a part of
0: this. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that, you know, going out to, to academic institutes, I I think is a a, a great move. Um, so, so certainly from a, a hiring manager's perspective, um, you know, I've, I've been in a position before where I've had, um, people, um, I, you know, I guess at different stages of a career, be that they've just come out of university and are looking for that first job at the university. And, you know, also people that have retrained, like you say, let's not forget people that, that um, pursue a career and then decide to, to change into something completely different and go back to, go back to university and, and, and retrain. I think, I mean, I, again, don't want to generalize, but certainly, you know, from experience, um, when it comes to the technical side of working in IT, I, I think universities do a great job, but certainly for some of the, um, people skill related things and, and especially what, you know, what does it mean to work in, a, in an organization that practices DevOps? Why is it different to what you may know? already I, I certainly in the uk don't know of many universities that spend a, a huge amount of time talking about that as a subject and really preparing their students for what the working environment will be like after they graduate and, and i think being able to build that rapport through, through the institute with all of us ambassadors of being able to you know share some of our time to give some of their students an experience of what you know what it's like on the ground to, to work in this environment and and also working in an organization that's going through that transformation, I think that's another thing that can't be um, forgotten here, is it's all right Go into an organization that's very mature. Um, obviously, we still learn and we still grow and adapt as organizations as, as we progress through our uh, journey in DevOps. But there are also pr- plenty of organizations that are in a lot of flux as they try to get the right model for them. Uh, and that can be quite unsettling, I think, for someone that comes in to an organisation new where they've not experienced that before and understand what it's like. So, I mean, I think like like any education piece, the world over that. For me, that can only be a good thing. Okay, so let's just move on a little bit now. So... I, I guess, you know, we've, we've talked quite a bit around, um, and, and I'm sure you've both seen this on, certainly on LinkedIn, There there was a, a graphic I saw a while ago now saying, or asking people who was the, um, or who drove the most digital transformation within their organizations, and, and it was either the CIO, the CTO, Um, or or CEO, I think, I can't remember which way around it was, and then COVID-19 was the last option. So, you know, certainly from what I'm seeing and and the way we've all had to adapt to work at home, even if you've never done it before, I've certainly been lucky enough to to work at home quite regularly for the past uh, nine years or so now, so so I'm very used to it. Um, There's obviously a lot of talk about DevOps, because of the pandemic and how it can help organizations, um, you know, get to where they want to and, and, and help people adapt to new ways of working now that are not in an office. I, I certainly feel like DevOps at the minute, where it is in terms of um, the, the focus for technology teams, the focus for teams outside of technology, like, like we've been talking about so far. I certainly feel like DevOps is in a really good place to become extremely mainstream over the next 18 months, two years. Um, but what 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 are your thoughts on the subject? I don't know if you wanted to go first, Helen?
2: Yeah, I kind of hope that Jane would actually, because Jane actually talks a lot about how technologists are kind of the untold heroes or unsung heroes of the pandemic, because um, of course, we're all extremely grateful for all our care workers and key workers that have helped us through these really, really difficult times globally. Um, but as you have noticed it, or noted, um, huge amounts of organisations have had to shift so quickly to remote working. And whilst you and I and Jane are pretty used to it and been doing it for years and have set up, it's been really hard, I think, for a lot of people. And we haven't really um, appreciated how much work was done by technology teams to get them them ready for it i think i'm undecided yet as as to whether um we can immediately see um this being a catalyst or whether that's going to come a little bit later because there's a big difference between moving thousands of people to remote working to recognizing that devops or these ways of working have the opportunity to improve the organizational performance of your company and i'm not sure that everybody's quite there. Yeah, I almost feel like there's a settling in phase. Um, you know, some people are still asking about whether people are more or less product- productive at home, which is a really complex question. I don't know, Jane. What's your view? Are we more or less productive working from home?
1: That is an interesting question. I think that um, the paradigm has changed. So, by the way, Helen, thank you for acknowledging the the uh, tech community because I do feel really strongly that. Well, first responders, you know, healthcare professionals, uh, you know, people that are delivering my groceries for me, um, are frontline workers. The tech community had to really step it up. And, and I think that the pandemic showed organizations how agile they really are because being in the office was never a metric for success. Right. Sitting side by side with somebody didn't necessarily improve collaboration. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about DevOps. Uh, but if there was a comfort that people were productive, if I could see you, uh, you know, if I could actually watch you work or I could as a supervisor or as a team member, we could collaborate and we knew that it was uh, it, it was something that we could see, we could we could experience. And productivity, when you're working remotely, you have to work a little harder at. Um, you know, Zoom or Microsoft Teams or, you know, WebEx or whichever collaborative tools that you work, really being chat ops, right? Being able to optimize the capabilities, but also keeping that human connection. The productivity question is interesting because when people went to the office, they went for a fixed period of time. So they went from nine to five or I don't think anybody works nine to five anymore. They probably work eight to six or something like that. But in any event, you had kind of a start and a stop. And uh, and, and organizations knew how to manage that. Right. They knew how to manage that. People showed up at a certain time and generally. Uh, left at a certain time and there was a cadence to productivity, right? Now, we also know that during that period of time, people talked to each other, they socialized, they did a lot of other things. Now with people at home, there's distractions, right? I'm really fortunate that, and Helen, I think you are too, that, that we have committed spaces in our home that are workspaces, right? Uh, you know, my husband's now working from home. My son now works from home. And fortunately, um, you know, we don't have a a very large house, but we have rooms. You know, the guest room is now my husband's office. I've always had an office. My son is working out of his bedroom. But, you know, we have a a place where we can close the door. And, you know, the other disruption are our pets. Uh, And then we meet in the break room, otherwise known as the kitchen. Um, I think people that have children at home, I think people that have, you know, other considerations, uh, managers are concerned about their productivity. And I'll, I'll set that one straight and say, as long as you can be in the meetings you need to be in, I, I think the big paradigm shift will be, can you get your work done, right? I don't care if you do your work at eight o'clock at night after the children have gone to bed, hopefully you're not working 24 hours a day, but that the cadence of work, the flow of work can be adapted to, you know, what's happening on on the human side. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people were hoping that children were going back to school, at least here in the U.S., there's a, a, a pretty big difference state to state, even city to city in terms of what's happening That, But, you know, just to sum it up, I, my hope coming out of this is that when we look at productivity, we look at results over that nine to five mentality. You need to be nine to five if you have meetings. Um, Because you have to be at the meetings that you're scheduled for. But as long as you get your work done, isn't that really the definition of of productivity? Uh, I think collaboration takes on a new spirit. You know, universities have been doing um, online uh, education for a while, but they've also had teams that have had to work together to build a project. And so I I think we're moving in that direction. And I don't think we're going to go back. I, I mean, I think some will go back to the office because it's comfortable for them, but I don't think the new normal includes uh, a nine to five mentality anymore. I don't know. I and mean, Martin, what are you seeing um, in in terms of your experience?
0: I completely agree with everything you've, you've said. And, uh, you know, they would, they would certainly back up that I, I think in a lot of organizations, fact, thankfully not where I am at the minute, but a lot of organizations uh, seem to believe that productivity is a metric based on um, how many hours you work rather than the quality of what you do. Uh, and I think that erodes some people's trust in, in the ability to work remotely, uh, and, and thankfully those um, those thoughts are now changing, I think, with, with what's happening. It's just unfortunate it's taken a, a global pandemic to <laughs> To, to force that level of change within certain organisations, and you know, I, th- I I also want to underpin what you said about technology and people working in technology. I know when when this first started, um, it, it, you know, my my wife um, um, used to work in the health service in, in the UK, and basically said. Uh, you know, off the back of her, uh, comment around how hard people will be working in the health service, I didn't say, you know, I completely agree, and and, and I do envy the amount of work they'll have to be doing. But don't forget, there are also people that support, um, you know, teams, webex, zoom, all of these that have all all of a sudden overnight have to deal with a, a, a seven to tenfold increase in their user base, um, with no extra funding because it just came overnight. <laughs> Um, keeping that platform up and running, sometimes for extremely critical conversations. There's now a lot of governments using these platforms, so availability is is more critical than ever in a lot of ways. And you know, I think uh, I, I go back to um, something Satya Nadella said uh, a, a little while ago. Now, I think it was back in April, that who um, is Microsoft CEO for, for those that don't know. Um, that Microsoft's growth numbers were basically accelerated because they had seen two years worth of digital transformation happen in two months. Yeah. Um, through, you know, uh, services on their platform being taken up for, to enable remote working, be, be that through uh, technology like Teams or Office 365. Um, and, and that's really, it's, it's, it's ridiculous when you think about it um, like that, that it's taken all, all this time I've been in environments in where I've had people, clients say, oh, we don't know if we can do it in this time frame, I don't know if it's possible. All of a sudden governments shut down borders, say you can't leave your house unless you are going for food, and all of a sudden organisations find a way to make it happen um, in, in days. So I'm afraid that's actually all we've got time for this week, uh, which is a bit of a shame. We're really in a... A flood and really good conversation so um, yeah I just want to say thank you ladies for taking the time to uh, join me this week it's been great having you both on it was a pleasure
1: good conversation
0: yeah definitely and um, yeah I I guess just very quickly for everyone uh, episode 17 next week uh, we are talking about DevOps on AWS so a little bit more technical conversation following up our writer session uh, uh, last week and Um, Hopefully I will speak to everyone soon, but thank you again.